You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, as we start today, I want to just take a few moments before I get into the word that God put on my heart. I just want to do a, a quick recap of kind of where we've been as a church, whether some of you know this or not. You know, for a couple of years, 2017 till the end of 2019, my wife Leslie and I, we were in uh, the Kansas City area starting a church up there, helping a church up there, and uh, felt like at the end of 2019, God was calling us back to Tulsa, which is where we grew up. Can I tell you, that was not the plan for, that we had in place. It was like, <laughs> we're going to be in Kansas City forever. But God was calling us back to Tulsa. And whenever we came back, we came back at the beginning of 2020 and felt like God was asking us to start this church and continue doing uh, this church. And so we started doing some, some gatherings and things like that. And it was during this time that about February, we were meeting in this building, but we were actually meeting in where the elementary uh, meets right now. And so we were in there. We had uh, one of the small rooms for our kids and... Um, we were meeting in two of the small rooms, and I got a phone call from a church that was using a Noah's event venue in the Oklahoma City area. And they called me and basically said, hey, I'm not sure if you heard, but Noah's event venue has just gone out of business, like literally overnight. Uh, they uh, emailed their employees and said, hey, we're out of business. Pack your things and get out. Your benefits end at midnight tonight. And that was on a Thursday. I got the phone call on a Friday and uh, had no communication with anyone here. And uh, Lord, we need, a, we need a place to do church, right? So I, I uh, you know, that weekend we just kind of, uh, you know, recorded a message and put a message out online, kind of did church online, if you will. And uh, the next week, continue to search for, God, where are we supposed to meet? We know you've called us here. We know that you're going to provide. Where are we supposed to meet as a church? Felt like God was calling me to or asked me to come and pray over this building. And so I came to this building, and it was February, and it was freezing outside. The windshield was like in the single digits. It was so cold. So I got out, and I prayed for the building, and I felt like God put on my heart, hey, if you walk around it seven times, I'll give you the building. And then my first thought was, yeah, there's no, that's just me being super spiritual, okay? But I walked around once, and I was like, well, it doesn't hurt, right? So I walked around once, and it was so cold, I got back in my car, and as soon as I sat down, I heard it again. If you walk around it seven times, I'll give you the building. So I got back out, and I walked around, I finished my laps. As soon as I got back in my car after the seventh lap, I felt God tell me, expect a phone call. And within 10 minutes, I was getting a phone call from a California number, a number that I had never received a call from before. And it was one of the owners of the building who's not affiliated with Noah's. He was just leasing to them. And he said, hey, I see that you guys somehow, I see that you guys are uh, using the building. And uh, hey, here's the front door code. Continue to use it until we figure out what exactly we want to do with the building. And so that was February of 2020. And so Come on, Jesus, right? We got a place to meet and we have access to it. And so uh, I kind of counter, counter back with him uh, after a few conversations. I said, hey, if we clean it every week, if we take care of the flower beds and just kind of uh, maintain it a little bit, can we just leave our stuff set up? And he said, no, nah, it sounds like a good trade-off to me. And so I was like, come on, man. We went from set up, tear down, two little rooms. So we have space now to grow and we get to leave things set up. And for all of the volunteers and A-teamers, you said, amen, come on somebody. We don't have to show up three hours early to get things set up. It's set up and it's ready for us when we show up. But once you know, right after that, in, in, uh, shortly after that, 
is when COVID and all that stuff hit. And it was during this time of COVID where uh, we weren't necessarily gathering together, but we were, I was just praying, Lord, what do you have for our church? You, you brought us here. You provided a way for us to have this building. And though we don't own this building, we've been able to use it and have it for two years now. And I was, uh, during that, that time when COVID lockdowns and stuff, I was like, Lord, what, what's the future for our church? And this is where God gave me the name Abide. It wasn't me searching out, oh, hey, we need to rebrand or we need a cool logo. Believe me, that is not, that is not me. That is way outside of, of uh, what I think about. And so I was just like, Lord, give me, give me a word. I just need a word for our church. And he gave me the name Abide. And it was in my quiet time, and God, God revealed this to me. And I'll get to more of that in, in just a second. But um, it was during that time whenever I felt like God was prompting us to change our name to Abide. And so that's why in June... 2020 is our official start time as Abide. That's like when we launched as Abide Church because of everything that we went through. And can I tell you, uh, those first few Sundays coming out of COVID was pretty rough, okay? Um, the first Sunday, I think we had about 12 to 15 people in the room. And uh, because, you know, we had the whole building, we, we were meeting in here. And can you imagine 12 to 15 people in this room? It felt a little uh, empty. You know what I'm talking about? It felt a little empty. And so I remember being like, Lord, all right, like we're, we're, you call us to do this. And, and about that time, we had about five people that were serving on our team, uh, on our volunteer team. And so um, we didn't have any of our kids' classrooms open coming out of COVID. We were just trying to make a way to do church and just to get a foundation is what we were focused on. But here's what's amazing. We fast forward two years. And as I said, we had about, you know, five people serving on our A-team. And as of today, we have 44 people serving on our A-team. Come on, somebody. You can rejoice for that. <laughs> growth. Ever since that moment, it's just been this nice, steady increase of growth. And we've seen God move. We have our kids' classrooms, or uh, at least two of them. We're getting ready to hopefully in the next few months launch our nursery. We have our kids' classrooms open and operational, um, believing to open that nursery in the next few months because we have like a, a baby boom happening right now in Abide Church. So um, we got to make some room. Come on, that's that natural church growth that you need, you know. Uh, that's good. Um, but here's what's amazing. Over the, last, uh, over the last two years, we've seen miraculous healings take place, not just in our services, but as we've prayed for people after service and as we pray for people during the week, we've seen miraculous healings in people's bodies take place where literally the doctors say, we don't know what happened, but you're good to go. We got like healing. God has been moving in our church. We've seen people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in their prayer language. We've seen 13 people go public with their faith through water baptism. Come on, somebody. You can cheer for that. It's good. And the best one yet, oh, oh, we've seen over 30 people give their lives to Christ. Come on, somebody. That's worth celebrating. But let me tell you this, we ain't done yet, okay? We're just getting started. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the power of abiding today, the power of abiding. Abide Church isn't uh, just a name, but it's a, it's a, it truly is a word from God. And we're going to see today the, the power of abiding, if we will abide, what God wants to do in our lives as individuals and as a church. And so let me show you the passage that God t- took me to two years ago, or a little over two years ago, in John 15, starting in verse 1, it says this. Well, I'll read it, and then we'll break it down. It says, this is Jesus talking. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. There's a lot of abiding going on in there. Can you agree? See how God's trying to get my attention when I was reading this first off? There's seven times, seven times in these eight verses, God says abide. So here's the breakdown. Seven has a huge significance in of itself, but here's what we see. God is the vine dresser or the gardener is another way of saying it. He's the gardener. He's the one that takes care of it. Jesus is the vine. The believers are the branches. And the fruit is what? Not physical fruit. It is Christ-likeness. And that's why in 1 John 2, 6, it says this. 1 John 2, 6 says, He who says he abides in Jesus ought himself to walk just as he walked. And so a lot of people will say, yeah, I'm close with Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. But if they don't have the fruit to back it up, which is the fruit of the Spirit, if they don't have the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, they don't have the, the fruit of the Spirit to back it up, then we should say uh, the fruit doesn't match the tree. Another way of saying it is that the fruit doesn't match the root of the issue. It doesn't match the root that's in here. So let's talk about it. What does abide mean? To abide is to remain. To abide is to remain. If you're taking notes today, you can fill in the, that first fill in the blank is this. To abide is to remain. The actual definition of abide in the Greek lexicon is to remain as one. To remain as one. This is God's desire for you personally with him. That it's not just, well, Pastor Dan or my pastor or whoever that spiritual leader is that you look up to. That they remain as one with God. God's desire is for you to remain as one with him. God's desire is for every believer to abide daily, to remain as one, to walk in unity with Christ, and, and, and that his power would be constantly at work in and through our lives. That's God's desire for us. But here's, the, here's what God told me when he, when he showed me this word abide, and I started diving into it. This is what he told me. He said, many people visit Jesus on Sunday, but they don't abide in him every day. And that's the difference. Many people visit him on Sunday and they mistake it for abiding. But visiting is not abiding. Coming to church once a week or once a month is not abiding. Abiding is a much more personal and intimate thing. But can I tell you, learning to remain or learning to abide is one of the most important spiritual disciplines that a believer can develop. Learning to remain, not just as one with Christ, but also remain whenever t times get tough. Learning to be steadfast. Too many Christians uproot themselves and run as soon as they're offended, as soon as someone doesn't take their advice or they're not getting exactly what they think they deserve. But can I tell you, don't uproot anytime you just get slightly offended, okay? Don't uproot and run anytime something goes not how you thought it should go. When we learn to remain there is victory attached to it. And I would say this, that all of hell wages war against your ability to remain or your ability to abide. All of hell wages war against it. It's, it's coming for you. Hell wants your faith to be short-lived. Hell wants your passion to be temporary. Hell wants your marriage to crumble. Hell wants your hope to fail. But let me tell you, victory belongs to those who remain. Victory belongs to those who remain, those who truly abide. Abiding is simply to remain. But let me break down exactly what this means for us. The second point for today is, is this. The vine dresser lifts up and he prunes. He lifts up and he prunes. 
This is where people get off when they read this passage here. They look at this and they get a little bit off in their context or their, their perspective of our heavenly father as the gardener, as the vine dresser. Let's look at the verses again. John 15, one through three, it says this. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch, look at that, that part, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Remember that, we'll come back for it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. A couple things to look at here. Takes away is not the best translation from the original language. A more accurate translation would be to lift up. To lift up. Here's, here's a good insight into this. Every branch in me, what does it mean to remain? Remain as one. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. When a branch is still connected, it has potential for fruit. So a good gardener is not going to come and see that a branch is not, uh, not producing fruit, see that it's still connected, and just get rid of it without looking a little bit deeper first. Why is it not producing fruit? And here's the issue. The only reason a connected branch cannot produce fruit is if it's been knocked down into the dirt. And this is what would happen many times. And as in referencing this, Jesus is talking about these vines that an animal or someone would hit it, and literally the branches would fall into the dirt. Still connected. But as they're in the dirt, they're not getting the oxygen and the light that they need to produce leaves and to produce fruit. And so here they are in the dirt, but they're still connected. They're still connected. And this is incredible insight for us today as believers. A vine in the dirt cannot produce fruit. You will find yourself at some point in a dark season where the devil wants to throw you in the dirt and keep you there spiritually. Where he's going to come after you, he's going to come after your family, he's going to come after your kids in such a way where you feel like, God, I'm trying my best to stay connected with you. I'm trying my best to have a good relationship with you. But you feel spiritually like you're just in the dirt and you're getting kicked down and stuck there. And, that, and you feel like, why am I not seeing more fruit in my life? Why am I not seeing God do more in my life? Let me pull back the curtain a little bit and show you what the devil's doing. He's kicked you down, he's put you in the dirt, and he's wanting you to stay there. But let me more importantly reveal the heart of the Father. Our Heavenly Father, as the vine dresser, is not coming to you to say, why are you in the dirt? Get up. <laughs> Produce fruit. Why are, you, why are you just laying there? Don't you know better? Our Heavenly Father is not coming with a club to bash you over the head and say, you need to try harder. Our heavenly father comes as the vine dresser and he sees a branch that is still connected, still trying to get life from Jesus. And he says, I see that you're knocked down. I'm not just going to take you away. I'm going to lift you up where you can get what you need and get healthy to produce fruit again. Let me show you. So here's what would happen. He wants to lift you up. So let me say it this way. Uh, if you find yourself in a dark season, don't lose heart. Do not lose heart. The vine dresser is looking to lift you up. But Jesus is showing us here that when you experience trauma, when you experience loss, or when you experience hurt, you're not meant to stay there. You're not meant to stay there. God is not looking, well, that's just your story, and you're meant to stay in the dirt. He's saying, look, I see you. We're not just going to say that that didn't ever happen. But he's saying, I see you in the dirt, and I want to lift you up out of the dirt so you can get well again. So you can get healthy again. Many times the gardeners would attach the weaker branch to a stronger one so that it could get healthy. This is why you got to be in church. This is why not just be in church, but you got to be involved in church. So you have some relationships with people around you. 
Because God is looking to attach you and to get you close with people, like-minded believers who are seeking after him, who are healthy so that you can get healthy as well. Sometimes you're going to operate as the strong branch that someone else can tie to. But let me say it this way too. Other times you will be in the distressed branch and God will set you next to someone who will lend you their courage and lend you their strength so that you can get healthy and get the sunlight you need to produce fruit again. Sometimes you may be the strong branch, but I can't tell you, there's going to be times where I'm the weak branch. I just need someone to hang on to for a season here. Not for forever, but for a season till I can catch my breath and get healthy again and start producing fruit again like Jesus wants me to. This is why we got to be in church. This is why you got to surround yourself with like-minded people. The second thing, though, that the vine dresser does is he prunes. And this isn't always the fun one. (laughs) He lifts you up. That's encouraging. But sometimes he's going to prune. But let me remind you that God rewards all growth with pruning. God rewards growth with pruning. Pruning in the kingdom is not punishment. It's not for punishment. It's for fruitfulness. Pruning in the kingdom is not for punishment, but it is for fruitfulness. God prunes to create more room for growth. Here's a great example. Two years ago, we were early on in the church, coming out of COVID. I mean... There's so much going on, right? There's no, as a leader, there's very few right decisions you can make that, uh, maybe there's probably no right decision you can make that 100% of everyone is going to agree with. But as a spiritual leader, you have to pray and seek God, gain some wisdom and say, God, what do you want me to do? And when he gives you insight, you say, I'm going to do it no matter what other people think. Early on in the church, we had to make a few decisions where uh, we were going to handle situations a certain way. And can I tell you, we were just starting out as a bi church. We were just coming out of COVID, all this stuff going on. And at this particular time, we were going, and, and this was early on, you know, 12, 15, 18 people in the room. If we broke 20 people, we were like doing a happy dance after service. Come on, somebody. And uh, early on, and, and we had to make a few decisions. And um, on a Friday night and on Saturday, I got a text from some leaders in our church. And they don't, obviously, they don't go here anymore. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to bash anybody, I'm just saying, to show you how God works sometimes. I got a text from these people and they said, hey, we don't agree with the decision. We're not gonna be a church. And uh, the problem was they were leaders. They had huge responsibilities. One of them was my sound guy. Kind of important, right? I mean, I could go back and forth and try to do this, but Becca's doing a much more phenomenal job than I am going back and forth. No apology. No, hey, can we talk? Nothing. No, hey, I won't be there, but I got someone to cover for me. Nothing. And I still had to show up. Leslie and I had to still show up that Sunday in faith that God, we did what God asked us to do. And it was difficult. It was difficult. But that Sunday morning, I was praying before we showed up. And God told me, He said, I'm pruning the church. I'm pruning the church. (laughs) <laughs> during worship that Sunday, I had very honest, and I had, to, I had to repent afterwards, but I had an honest conversation with God, and I said this in a negative way. I said, Lord, I think you pruned too much. Can we be real in church? It was a raw moment for me, because I looked around, and I said, Lord, what, what, you brought us here. What is going on? But can I tell you, from that weekend forward, And from that month forward, it has been nothing but giving has been in the green. Attendance has been in the green. New people joining our A-team has been in the green. Salvations have been up. 
baptisms have been up, God moving in our church. From that, I can almost point it back, and I think we, we can if we look back at our numbers. It was kind of bumpy, and then from that moment, it was a continual incline. I didn't know where the church was going. I just knew God was pruning. But what was he doing? For punishment? No. He was pruning for growth. And here's what it showed me. I had them in leadership roles, these people. But God had to prune them out because I got to see their real character. When I had to make tough decisions, they were quick to peace out and leave. That's not the kind of people you want around you. Somebody, okay, you don't want them in your corner because they're going to bail on you. I didn't know that until I had to make a tough decision. But God pruned it out, and what did he bring in? Fantastic leaders, and even not just people to take their place, but abundance of people to take their place, and then some, where we can have teams in place. BC pruning is not always fun, but it is always intentional. It's not always fun, but it is intentional. Many times you're going to say, Lord, you pruned too much, but he's saying, will you trust me for a second? Sometimes it takes a little bit to produce the fruit. Anytime, if you've ever pruned a, a tree or a bush in your yard before, it happens to me. I just trimmed some trees in our house the other day, and I got done, and I thought, whoops, <laughs> a little too much off the top there, right? But no, it's important for growth. But let me tell you this, personally, many times God, before God can truly bring forth his will in your life, you're going to have to allow him to cut or to prune some things out of your life. You're going to have to allow him to do that. You're going to have to allow him to cut those old relationships out from a, from a boyfriend, a girlfriend, somebody that's holding you back from the things of God. You're going to have to allow him to cut it out of your life so you can move forward. You're going to have to allow him to cut out or prune the habits, some lifestyle choices out of your life so that you can move forward, so that you can move forward, so that God can truly do what he wants to do. But here's the pruning shears, God's word. How do I know God's pruning my life? Because what's happening in my life aligns with God's word. Let me show you. It's in Hebrews 4.12. It says this. For the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, even through the, to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, a lot of times we quote this verse and we quote it in a way where it's like it's active against our enemy. But I can tell you the intention, the, the meaning behind it is that it, God's word would go to work in us and then through us to other people. What is he talking about? He's talking about how God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any pruning shears that are going to go to work in us and cut through the deepest part of the things that are holding us back from what God has for us. But we have to let it go to work. And in doing so, I'm going to let some things die in my life. I'm going to lay down some habits in my life. I'm going to lay down some lifestyle choices so that God can promote me. One of great, great example of this is a lot of times I'll get questions about alcohol and things like that. And, and please hear me. If, if you have a, a, a drink of alcohol or beer, I'm not saying you're going to hell. Okay, that's, that, we don't see that in God's word. Now, drunkenness, yes, that's a, that's a serious sin issue. Absolutely. But I get a lot of questions about that as a pastor. And as a pastor, I have simply had to realize that there's a lot of stuff, even if it's not alcohol or something else, there's a lot of stuff that I might want to partake in, but it's not benefit, beneficial for the people around me. One of the, pers- one, of the, one of the pastors I follow, he said this, what leaders do in moderation, followers do in excess. So I can, I can have a casual beer myself and not be sinning. But if my casual beer leads to someone who looks up to me, my son, a child, a family member here, leads them to drunkenness, God's word says that sin is on me. So here's the thing. There's going to be times in my life where God is going to ask you 
to lay down habits or lifestyles or things that you enjoy. But he says, if you will lay it down, I can promote you to a new level spiritually where you will have more influence to make a greater impact for my kingdom. But we have to trust him enough and trust his word enough that I will say, Lord, even if I want that, I long for that, if you're saying I need to lay it down, I will in obedience to you. And when we do that, he can honor it. The, honor it. the vine dresser, what does he do? He's not running around looking to bash us over the head. He's not running around looking to kick us while we're down, keep us in the dirt. He's looking to lift us up and he's looking to prune us for more fruitfulness. That's what he's looking to do. And here's the last point is this. Abiding is an essential requirement of disciples. And hear me in this. Why are we called Abide Church? Because abiding is everything. It's not a suggestion. It's not God's wishful thinking. I hope they abide. He does hope that. But his words are very serious to us when we read those eight verses that we read earlier. He says it seven times. He's saying, hear me. <laughs> Abiding is everything. And here's a few key verses in this. Abide, uh, let's go to John 15, 5 through 7. I am the vine. We just read this. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Even just these verses is so serious. The first one, what does it say? Without me, you can do nothing. Does it mean I sit around and I don't do anything ever? I just sit on the couch and without Jesus, I'm just sitting here? No, it's worse. <laughs> you will think in your busy life, you stay busy and you're striving for promotion, and you're keeping your head down, and you're so swamped, but you're not abiding in him. And if you're not abiding in him in the busyness of your life, someday you're going to wake up, and you're going to look up, and you're going to see Jesus face to face. And he said, you did a lot of stuff, but it was for nothing. It's all burn up at the end of the age. He's saying, I don't mind you being busy, but will you bring me into your busy?" I don't mind you working hard. That's biblical principle. But will you allow me to work hard with you? Will you invite me into it when you're folding clothes as a stay-at-home mom? Will you invite me into it when you're at the job site? Will you invite me into it when you're, when you're working, when you're in that meeting? Will you invite me into it when you're driving? Will you invite me into it when you're playing golf some afternoon? Will you invite me in? Abiding. It's, it's an absolute necessity. The next thing he says is this. If they do not abide in me, he says, what? You're cast out. This is in contrast to what he said earlier. He said, any branch in me, I will lift up. Any branch that does not, it's cast out. This is where the seriousness feels. We feel it a little bit more. When a branch is no longer connected to the vine, what is it? It's just a stick, right? It's, it's not a branch anymore. It's not producing fruit. It's not alive anymore. It's just a stick. This is how many Christians live their lives as sticks. From the outside in, same shape as a branch. From the inside out, dead. We are called to live at a much higher level. But it's not a difficult level. God's just saying, hey, will you trust me enough to let me go to work in your life, to bring some life to you? This is what he said earlier. Don't visit me on Sunday. Abide in me every day. Abide in me every day. And this makes sense of what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
this seems difficult to understand. This seems difficult to receive. But this is what happens. Many people have lip service. And can I tell you, <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. Now's not the time for lip service. Well, I, yeah, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. But Jesus is showing us in abiding. He's saying, unless you're producing fruit, I don't know you. Because when you abide in me, fruit is the natural production that comes from your life. And it's fruit of his spirit, not our own. Visiting Jesus on Sundays is not enough. He's expecting and he's looking for fruitfulness. And here's the encouraging one at the very end. He says, ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. Abiding is the key to making our prayers effective. Because when I abide, I naturally begin to pray for the things that please God. I pray for the things that have God's heart. Why? Because I'm, a connect, I'm connected to him. What has his heart now is working in me. Now it's on my heart to pray for it. Right? One pastor said it this way. If, if all your prayers were answered today, would it change your world or would it change the world? That will show you what are you spending your time praying for, your agenda or God's. When I, when I abide, I pray things that are pleasing and according to his will. And that's why 1 John 5.14 says this. We're confident that God hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him or anything that aligns with his will, which is his word. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. God doesn't answer any whim of a prayer because he will not answer a prayer that undermines his authority, that undermines his purpose, that undermines who he is, that undermines his plan. He's not going to answer any whim of a prayer, so it doesn't mean I can just go out and ask for whatever I want. It means I can ask for whatever lines with God's word that I want to see come into my life. And when I do that and I'm abiding, God says, it will be done. We can put our faith in that. Isn't that encouraging? I don't know about you. That gets me excited to pray a little more, to get in here a little more. What's going on in my life? Let's get after it. I want to see it. And I'm not striving for more things. But when I strive for more of him, he said, I'll take care of everything else. Seek first the kingdom. To abide is simply to remain. God's desire as the vine dresser is to set you up for spiritual success. Abiding is not an option, though. It's an essential requirement for all believers. It's no suggestion. It is everything. We must abide, and that's why we're called Abide Church. But what does this mean for us as a church? Let me show you where we're going. This is so encouraging. In these grapevines or these vines that Jesus is talking about, you do a little research on this, and what's amazing is the first and the second year of the grapevine's life, it doesn't produce much fruit, if any. Maybe a little bit in the, in the second year. The first year, it's all roots and spreading branches. But the third year is when fruit begins to multiply and multiply and multiply. And as I just did some study on that, God just said, let it be so with the by church. We've come in a long way, even from, even from how many people are in the room today to when it was when we first started. We've come a long way. We've seen salvations, healings, amazing things. However, God is saying the first two years have been times of roots, in times of spreading branches. And he says, I'm about to produce fruit in the church that will multiply and multiply and multiply. So church, I'm here to tell you, you better hang on because <laughs> it's about to get good here at Abide Church. We're headed into year three with expectation that God is gonna do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, think, 
or imagine, more than we can ever imagine for his kingdom. Not for us, but for we can glorify him and say, look what God is doing in our church. That means we want to see hundreds of kids and adults come to Jesus through our church. Not just adults, kids as well. Hundreds of kids and adults come to Jesus through our church. We want to see multiple services have to take place. We want to see growth to a place where we don't fit in this room anymore and maybe even in this building anymore that we need to create some space to have more room so that we can have more services so that we can outgrow the building. And when we tell our, our team this all the time, if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, then the church isn't big enough. <laughs> we got room for one more. If you know somebody that don't know Jesus, we got room for them here. Get them here. Let's go. We want to continue to see our, our next gen, next generation ministries grow. We want to see our nursery start, our preschool uh, continue to develop elementary. We want to start some J high and some, some high school ministries. We, we have need for it. We need to create room to reach people. We want to see people go public with their faith through water baptism. People receive power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and begin to pray in a heavenly language. We want to see God touch people's lives. Depression destroyed. Bodies healed barren wombs made fruitful, demons cast out, miraculous healings taking place. And that's just to name a few. <laughs> that's what we're going to see. And that's what we're going to pursue. But do we, we, we pursue those things. Hear my heart. We don't pursue numbers. We're not pursuing this, this, this building a great organization as a church. We're pursuing the presence of God. And when we are a presence-driven church, the kingdom comes with God's presence. So every Sunday when we welcome in his presence, we say, Lord, come. Our agenda is is plan B. Our agenda is second. Do what you want to do. And when we do that, we abide and we produce much fruit. Amen. Amen. We're going into year three with expectation and we are just getting started. Our best days our next days. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. God, you're so good. We're so thankful for you. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you that you've called us abide for a reason because you're trying to send a message to your people that you want intimacy with us. You want closeness with us. You want connection with us. You want us to remain with you. And God, that's our heart's desire. Less of us and more of you. And Lord, I pray that that would be the reputation that our church would have. That when people come here, if, if we're nice, if we, if we have a good message, Lord, if the kids' ministry is great, that's, those are good things. But, Lord, most importantly, we want people to come here and say, God was there. Your presence is here, Lord. And we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Have your way in our church. And, Lord, we are just happy and honored to be along for the ride. And we thank you, Lord, that our best days are right in front of us. We're going into it with expectation. In Jesus' holy name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.